In nearly every system of thought, religious or spiritual, there is an idea that in the spirit realm, there are good and evil actors and players fighting for the hearts and souls of mankind. We see it across pop culture with shows like Stranger Things. We see it in the Star Wars series. We see it in Marvel. We see it with Lord of the Rings. We see it in Harry Potter. There is this idea, this common understanding and belief that there is a spirit realm with actors fighting for the fate of mankind. But the question that we are going to tackle today is how can you and I discern if the ideas that we are embracing, the ideas that we are letting in and adopting that may feel good on the onset, how do we discern if they are actually snares and traps that are meant to entangle us? Or maybe they're ideas that feel bad on the onset, but will result in good. Ideas that will result in the good for ourselves and the good of others. Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to the Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Today, we are continuing this conversation of ideas that that really seat and couch themselves in the spirit realm over the, the battle for your mind, your soul, and really your destiny. Because the things that we believe, the things that you believe, the things that I believe, will drastically shape the decisions that we make on an everyday basis. It will drastically shape the way that we raise our kids. It will drastically shape the culture of our households, the culture of of our friendships in the communities around us, the ideas that we adopt. And not all ideas are equal. Not all ideas lead to the same place. Not all ideas have the same result. But the question is, how can you and I, with a simple, quick framework, discern which direction an idea will take us? Because most of what I see out in culture today are ideas that sound good, that feel good, that make you warm and cozy. They're ideas that are promoting mankind. They're ideas that are embracing our humanity, fighting for the the common good of, of mankind. But if you follow them just a few steps forward and the trajectory that those thoughts and ideas bring us, if you follow those, you'll find that they actually do bad. They feel good, but they do bad. We are going to be speaking about the, the pro-human ideologies and anti-human ideologies and how we can discern the difference between them. Because that is a, a really easy litmus test that I have found when, when taking an idea and understanding where it comes from and where it is going and whether or not I want to let this operating system function in my life. Now, here is a, a quick shortcut. If you want the 101, the too long, didn't read shortcut of this episode, it is this. Most ideas out in the world today in culture that's propagating themselves as being pro-human 
are actually anti-human at its core. Let me say that again. The, the too long didn't read. Most ideas in culture that are being pushed and promoted throughout culture that's saying this is pro-human, this is kind, this is compassionate, this is loving, this is good for, for, for mankind, for the environment, for the world. They're actually, when you play out the implications of these ideas, are inherently anti-human at its core. And that is the way that we're going to, there's, there's many ways to discern, there's many ways to understand what, what ideas we should object, uh, reject or should accept, but this is one really easy litmus test, a framework to quickly evaluate the quality of an idea. Is it pro-human in actuality or anti-human in actuality? Now, as I said, a lot of these frameworks that are anti-human have positioned themselves as being pro-human. Why? Because if you can play with words, and that's what's happening right now throughout society and largely due to the postmodern movement that we are in, as it's really striking right now across culture, across the globe, this idea of postmodernism, words do not have meanings. And therefore, if we can manipulate the meanings of words, we can push our agenda and there's no channel of communication outside of this thought system because we've changed the definition of the word. And we see that with, with uh, the kind of woke uh, racism movement that's been happening where, where we went from being we should be not racist just moving to a positioning and saying we need to be anti-racist. And what anti-racism is, it's not saying don't be racist, but it's saying actually you are racist and you can't help being racist. You must, you must fight your racism. And the only way to end racism is by being racist and having reverse racism. And it's changing the definition of racism saying that, well, you know, certain minorities groups can't be racist. And the more the more lower you are on the totem pole, the less racist you could possibly be. And so we've, we've changed the terms and we actually created a hierarchy within, within culture to say one form of racism is good, those at the bottom having racist ideologies towards those who supposedly are above them on the totem pole. But the other form is bad. One form is actually not possible. It's not possible for someone in the intersect of intersectionality to be racist. It's not possible. So we've we've changed the definition of words to be able to promulgate ideologies in the world. Now there is one main philosophical idea that we sit on that enables society to even move in a direction of seeing one another equal. And this idea, again, it's found in most major religions, at least monotheistic religions, which that is that we were created by God. Now, this is a very important idea that we were created. This idea is at the core of the Declaration of Independence for the United States of America, which says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are 
created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So this, this idea that we are created and that we are all endowed with equality and, and unalienable rights to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is really a, an idea throughout Western society that has now empowered capitalism across the world, which has empowered millions of people to leave poverty and, and enter into education and, and build a better future for their families. It's this idea that we were created and that we were created equal. When we depart from one or both of these ideas, we will fall into anti-human ideology. Now, why can't we have one without the other? Why can't we say, well, we were all evolved to be equal. We, we, maybe we say, okay, we, we don't have God. God's not in the picture. Let's just take him out, wipe him out. But we can still say we're equal. Actually, we can't. Because the moment that we do away with God, we do away with the fact that we were created in a certain manner, in a certain form, kind, and likeness, then we've evolved out of the, the swamp of history, the swamp of billions of years, and we were just a highly evolved animal. If we're a highly evolved animal, we are nothing but a sack of chemicals. And if we're nothing but a sack of chemicals, then life really has no meaning. And we can begin to make judgment calls on, well, who is actually more human? Who is actually more positioned? Who should actually give, be given more rights? Than others. Because if we've evolved, that means that we're not equal. It means that you and I may be in different places because maybe you're more involved than I am. Maybe you've reached a, a higher level of enlightenment and, and, and uh, humanity than I have, and therefore I am now less human. So the moment that we take away God from the picture, we have sawed off the branch that we sit on. And likewise, the moment that we take away equality from the picture, the moment that we take away the fact that we were all created as equal as humans, we say we were created, but we weren't all created equal. We cut off that branch too. So these are, when I look at an ideology or when I look at a thought system or a pattern and I, and I bring it in and I judge it before adopting it, I judge it before adopting it and say, okay, where did this come from? Where is it going? And they evaluate it. These are some of the two main indicators that I can look at to say, wait, this will lead me down a bad road. This is what happened in Russia with the gulags. When, when Russia really adopted this idea that we were all just a, a sack of chemicals and we adopted the, the ideas of, of Marx and Engels in saying that, well, there is no such thing as morality. There's no such thing as right and wrong. It's only power. 
and we look at a certain segment of society and say, well, these people are the way they are because of their upbringing. They are the way they are because of their genetics and their their culture that they lived in. And, and we can't change them because it's just been determined by their environment and by who they are. What happens? Well, they get sent to the gulags. And when the, the re-education camps of the gulags don't work, what happens? They get sent to the, the back of the building to the firing squad. Now, this is happening again in current culture. It's, gulags are happening across the world, granted, where we look in with the Uyghur people in China, where there, there's this idea that they're, they're less than human and they're putting in concentration camps and re-education camps. We can see it throughout mainstream media in America, where there are certain people who say, quote, even the most liberal, well-intentioned white person has a, 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 a virus uh, in his or her brain that can be activated at an instant. When these ideas are accepted by us in saying that a, a certain group of people have been predetermined to think and act a certain way and it's, it's not curable, well, then what happens? What happens when we decide, well, we need to fix and cure these people because they are a danger to society? What happens when we need to fix and cure you because you're a danger to society? But then remember, you're not curable because you are just an evolved sack of chemicals. And so the thing that would be most merciful and most compassionate, not only for you, but for others, would be to finish it for you. So here we started off with this kind and humane idea of trying to create and build a better society. And in turn, we end up destroying the humans who live in that society. We become anti-human for the sake of being pro-human. It just doesn't work. So the, the first pro-human idea that is actually quite anti-human is humanism itself. That's right, humanism itself, because humanism essentially says that humanity is the pinnacle of evolution. And if we are only evolved, well, then everything is determined. Timothy Laurie says that humanism fabricates the human as much as it fabricates the non-human animal, thereby turning the human into what Timothy calls a placeholder for a range of attributes that have been considered most virtuous among humans. That would be rationality or altruism, rather than things that are most commonplace, such as hunger or anger. Now, the reason that this becomes an issue is what happens when we have someone who is mentally impaired. Are they now less than human? What happens when we have someone with autism or Down syndrome? Are they now less than human? Because in, in humanism, we're, we're looking and we're defining a human based on their qualities, their traits, how they can contribute to society. Now, this is a clearly a, a, 
a 101 view of humanism and understand that it's more complex and there's more complex theories, but at the, the root of it, what we have seen, the fruits of humanism, whether it's secular humanism, humanism or cosmic humanism, is that we begin to evaluate humans based on their cognitive abilities. And with that, we also say in humanism that everything is morally relative. So you can decide what your moral relativism is, what is right and good for you and your life, and I get to decide that for my life as well. And if that's the case, then we are breeding a society that is not based on any foundation of agreement or understanding, but it becomes tribal in its very nature, pitting one group of ideology against the other group. And if, if it's all morally relative, then we can look across the aisle to the other tribe and say, hmm, you don't agree with who we are and therefore you are less than human. Therefore, you are a danger to humanity. So for the sake of humanity, for the sake of protecting humanity, it is just and right that we do something about it, if you catch my drift, to protect humanity by destroying you. Is this a pro-human idea or an anti-human idea? But it goes on. Another idea that is it's kind of the, the cousin of humanism is euthanasia. Where all of a sudden we, we see our elderly people who their, their cognitive abilities are slipping. They don't have memory. They're not contributing to society. Is it the compassionate thing to end their life? Is it the compassionate thing when they do tests on unborn babies and they say, mm, it looks like your child may have Down syndrome or have a genetic order disorder. Is it the humane thing to end that human's life? Because they are less than human. They don't have the full cognitive capabilities that you or I may have. Because after all, our humanity is on a spectrum of cognitive capabilities. And how are we to decide? when humanity begins. Because if it doesn't begin at conception, then when does it begin? Does it begin when we have memories? Well, then those who have dementia or those who have Alzheimer's, are they now less than human? These are, are ideas that are, are springing from what are supposedly pro-human ideologies that actually morph into anti human ideologies. Another big one is the environment, the, the, the macro narrative of environmentalism, not stewardship, not correct stewardship of the environment, correct stewardship of the environment where we say, hey, you know, we're going to be here for, you know, a long time. We should probably take care of our environment. We shouldn't litter. We shouldn't destroy the environment around us. We shouldn't dump plastics into the ocean. I'm not talking about stewardship of the environment, but environmentalism, which says that, that if we do not save the environment, if we don't stop this environmental change, all of humanity will die. Therefore, and this is where it gets tricky, therefore, 
humans are the virus. Humans are the virus, the real virus that's plaguing the world. And we need to stop the human growth. Even though right now, if you look at the studies, you'll see that the human population is probably going to cap off at around 10 billion naturally. Because as people rise out of poverty into more education and better uh, economic stability, they tend to have less children. And so right now we look at, at global models and we'll see that our, our population will probably start to cap off around 10 billion naturally. And when we start seeing collapses of population growth in society, that is really bad. It is actually really bad for everyone. We also know that as people come out of poverty, they begin to care more about the environment around them. They begin to make better choices in the products that they buy, in the, the waste products that they, they produce and consume. They begin to become more aware of that. But instead, what environmentalism is saying is, well, we need to uh, stop the population from growing. We need to do away with humans. I've, I've had conversation with people where the, where the dialogue goes like this. I believe humans are the most important things in the world. Therefore, we should have less of them. Something that looks like a pro-human idea that at its core is anti-human. As I said, we see this with eugenics. Eugenics is the idea that, well, we want to make the human race better. We want to improve because we love the human race so much. We want to make a better, more refined human race. And what do we get from that? We got the Holocaust. It sounds really pro-human. We want our, our kids to be better and better educated. But what does Margaret Sanger say? I was, uh, I was what I would call a born humanitarian. I don't like to see people suffer. I don't like to see cruelty, even to this day. And in nursing, you see a great deal of cruelty and unnecessary suffering. Well, I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things, just mark when they're born. That, to me, is the greatest sin that people can, can commit. Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who is part of the KKK, who was a eugenics, who worked with the, the Nazi Hitler party. But here we have this, this push for this transhuman world, the, the next leap of evolution. And by its very nature, it is anti-human in the name of being pro-human, experimenting with, with human lives, experimenting with human embryos, experimenting with genetics. Another way that we can judge these systems of thoughts and identify ideologies that are intrinsically anti-human would be any system of thought or belief that believes that one group is greater than or less than another. And we touched on this with the racism, anti-racism, and, and wokeness ideology, religious ideology that is, is popular in culture today. We see it with, uh, in, with religious ideologies 
where any religious ideology that separates people into class or say that certain people of color or or non-color or gender are worth more or worth less than another human beings, these ideas are inherently anti-human. And these ideas will inherently lead to destruction within culture. Uh, Another another one that seems to be so compassionate, seems to be so loving and caring for people, is abortion. The argument with abortion is, well, you know, it's it's your body, it's your choice. Women should be in, in charge of their reproductive system. You know, it would be horrible to force your your daughter to carry an, an unplanned pregnancy. It would be horrible for your daughter. I would I would never want that for my child. And these sound, they sound so compassionate. They sound so good. You're right, it's your body, it's your choice. But that would be like saying, it's my house, it's my rules. So because you're in my house, do I now have the license to kill you? My house, my rules. Well, that is the the exact thing that they're saying with my body, my choice. It sounds good. It feels good. But really, it's not. It, It is your body. But the body that you're killing is not your body. It's a whole another unique set of DNA. It is a human being. And as I said, the moment that we we cut God out of the mix and we add humanism into the mix, it all becomes murky. It all becomes relative. And we say, well, when, when does life begin? But when we go down that road, all of a sudden, you one day may wake up with an idea that doesn't go with the powers that be. It might be slightly against or off grain or off course. Now you are deemed less than human. What happens when you are deemed less than human? Now I know this is uh, on the abortion front especially. It's a very sensitive subject. I know that there are many people, women in the world who have had abortions, and there are many men who have encouraged women to have abortions. There was a study done in 2011 published by the British Journal of Psychiatry and reported that there were dramatic changes in mental health in women who had abortions. The study examined medical information from 877,000 women, of which 146,000 had had an abortion. The women who had an abortion were 81% more likely to experience mental health struggles. 34 per, of those, 34% were likely to develop an anxiety disorder, 37 more likely to experience depression, 110% likely to abuse alcohol, 155% likely to commit suicide, and 220% more likely to abuse marijuana. The study found that 10% of these issues could be linked to a woman's abortion. So if if you are an, an individual woman who's had one, I, I do not stand here 
and condemn you, but I would encourage you to find therapy and find help to cope and deal with the the trauma that comes from that. It is a it's a serious topic. It's an important topic. It's one that we need to uh, we, one that we need to discuss. And I don't want to discuss it in a way of coming down on condemnation against the, those people who have had abortions in the past. But I do want to be explicit and clear in my language in saying that unborn babies are human lives, and we must protect those lives as well. So to sum up, there are ideas in the, in the spiritual realm that we all believe are there. There are actors of good and evil. There are, are schemes and tactics that are set up by forces of darkness that, that seek and try to destroy each and every one of us. And we must be the gatekeepers of our minds, the gatekeepers of our thoughts, the gatekeepers of our families. And judge, judge thoughts and ideas and be able to discern which path they will lead us down. Is this a thought, an ideology that is seemingly pro-human, seemingly really good, seemingly going to be good for society, but when we play out what it means, it's actually anti-human? When we play out what it means, it's like, well, this is so pro-human that in order to save humanity, we're going to have to kill humans. This is literally what most of these ideologies are. They're saying, we love humanity so much that in order to save it, we're going to have to kill some people. No, 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 and no. So my challenge to you, judge thoughts. Judge the thoughts that are flying through your mind. Judge the ideologies that you are going to or not going to adopt or the thoughts that you are going to reject and do it with this framework. One, is it built on a premise of rejecting God and rejecting that all men and women have been already created equal or is it setting up a hierarchy? And then look how does these ideas extrapolate into the future? Are they promoting true growth of humanity or is it only promoting the privileged few to go on and live while the rest of humanity pays at oftentimes the ultimate price? Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a segment of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own the future and weave our destinies. I love ancient quotes. I love ancient wisdom. And today's quote is by none other than Milton Friedman. He pens this. One of the greatest mistakes is to judge policies and programs by their intention rather than 
by their results. This is very similar to the old adage, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Well, let me tell you that the road to <laughs> the road to a, a worse life is paved with intentions that feel good, but when we act upon them, they end up really bad. When we adopt policies and ideas that feel good, but when they are implemented, they actually have results that harm society. Whether those are economic, whether those are, are philosophical or psychological, we must not only embrace something based on what it intends to do, but we have to see, will it actually function in that way? Thanks for listening. If you have any question, I would love to hear them. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. And remember my book, Anchor the Discipline to Stop Drifting. I wrote this book at a time in my life where I was drifting, where I had all these ideas grandiose ideas of how to make an impact and how to change the world. And it boiled down to, if I was more busy, I was going to be more successful. And boy, was I wrong. The ideas that I write about in this book, I think about on a daily basis. It has helped me and I know that it will help you. That is all. Remember, you are someone who goes out and judges the ideas before you rashly adopt them into your mind and your lifestyle. Not all sources in the ether, in the zeitgeist will lead you to a good place. So go out this week, judge those ideas so that you can own your future.